There's something beautiful about watching children begin to grasp what prayer is. It starts with imitation, repeating the words of a parent, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher. But when it starts to move beyond imitation to translation, uh, beginning to interject their own uh, simple but sometimes profound understandings of God and what prayer is and the reality of bringing our requests to God. Like the four-year-old who prayed, and forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. (laughs) It's a pretty good prayer, actually. (laughs) Or the little boy who was overheard praying, Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time like I am. (laughs) I remember when I was young, growing up in the church, I was just beginning to grasp this idea that God was inviting me through prayer Uh, to be bold with my requests. Uh, My mother was an incredible example for me of someone you'd call a prayer warrior. I remember seeing her every night kneeling beside her bed, and she would invite me to follow her lead in praying. I remember one evening not knowing what to pray for, and I knew uh, growing up in the church that addictions weren't a good thing, and so Uh, I bowed my head, closed my eyes, and said, Dear God, please help Dad stop drinking coffee. (laughs) After I finished praying, my mom kindly explained to me that drinking coffee wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But I was starting to uh, grapple with this idea of bringing requests to God that He could intervene in our lives. And so I was back to the drawing board trying to figure out what role prayer plays in my life when I was supposed to pray, how I was supposed to do it, what words to use, what difference does prayer make? And I'm still asking those questions. Uh, Prayer for you, if you're like me, is sometimes clumsy. It's awkward. We struggle for words at times, knowing uh, what, what role prayer should play. There have been prayer warriors throughout the course of my life who, who have been an example to me of someone who, who just had that consistency, that commitment, and, and the convictions with which they prayed. Perhaps you have some people in your life who you would call prayer warriors. People who you know in, in a phone call or a text message, they will be on their knees bringing their requests to God. Uh, but perhaps if you're like me, you feel less like a prayer warrior and more like a prayer straggler, uh, trying to keep up with life and knowing where prayer might fit in. So no matter what your experience with prayer is and whether you'd call yourself a prayer warrior or a prayer straggler, this morning as we uh, turn to the book of Ephesians, As we look at Ephesians chapter 6, I think the Apostle Paul is going to conclude his letter with a final charge. Calling you and me, yes all of us, to go to battle with prayer. In a sense, we are all called to be prayer warriors. To be men and women, boys and girls, 
who go to battle in prayer. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open back up to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 18 through 24. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 24. This morning we conclude our series through the book of Ephesians, which we have called Immeasurably More, which I based off of uh, Paul's prayer in chapter 3, where he prays that we would know immeasurably more of God's love for us. And we've seen that as the book has unfolded, that the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, that for all who put their faith in him, there is immeasurably more for us to experience, to grasp, to live in, and to live out. And here in the second half of the book, Paul has been very practical with his charges that, that the gospel not only changes who we are in Christ Jesus, but how we live. And this section here at the final part of Ephesians chapter 6 uh, comes on the heels of his final charge that we looked at last week, that we are called to go to battle to stand firm in the realities of the gospel because there is a real battle going on. A battle against Satan and the spiritual forces that are present in this world. But we go to battle knowing the outcome. That the victory is already won. He tells us to, to equip ourselves. Equip ourselves with, with the armor of God. With the breastplate of righteousness. With the helmet of salvation. With the belt of truth. The shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. And he concludes that. And, and I, I, I want us to not miss that the section we look at this morning is, is directly connected to those pieces of armor. Directly connected to the charge to be strong, to stand firm in the strength of the Lord. And so prayer isn't something that's tacked on to the end of the list. It's essential. In fact, the first point that Paul wants to make here in this passage about prayer is that prayer is not a life hack. It's a lifestyle. A life hack is, is, is a trick. You'll, you'll see these on the internet. That, uh, they're, they're tricks to make life a little bit easier. It's like, you, you, have you ever seen this? You know how it's hard to fill up a bucket in a shallow sink? You can't, you like can't get the bucket in there? If you, if you take a, a dustpan and you stick it in uh, the, the little short end and stick it on the faucet and stick it across the sink, the water just flows across the dustpan into your bucket. That's a life hack. It, it makes things a little bit easier. You ever treat a prayer like that? It's that little tool you pull out when you're in a pinch. Make things a little easier. God, help me, help me get through this little hard time I'm going through. But Paul wants us to realize this morning that prayer isn't a life hack. It's a lifestyle. He says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. He calls us to pray on all occasions. Not just when you're in a pinch. Not just when you need help. But prayer is a lifestyle 
not a life hack. And so he encouraged us to, to, to develop this kind of prayer life where we are dependent upon God in all circumstances. Not just when life is hard, but also when it's going well. Because here's the reality, is prayer is a realization that there is a real battle going on. And in order for us to stand firm and be equipped in the realities of the gospel, we need to develop a lifestyle of dependence upon God. Because you and I know it's real easy when life's going well to start depending on ourselves. To, to get in a rhythm, a routine of life where, you know, sure, we'll pray before meals, we'll, um, we'll pray, we'll pray together on Sunday morning or when we get together during the week. Paul says, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and, and supplications. Here's the reality prayer's not a formula. And if you're like me, it's sometimes clumsy. What words do we pray? We don't, we, we don't want to pray in public. And sometimes you're like, Peter, you're a pastor. This is your job. But it, 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 here's the reality of prayer is that it's not a formula. He says use all kinds of prayers. Use sentence prayers. Use long prayers. Use short prayers. Use word, worded prayers. Use wordless prayers. Uh, simply develop a lifestyle of dependence upon God. Because this is what prayer is. It is an expression of our dependence upon God to be at work in our lives, enabling us to stand firm in the realities of the gospel, enabling us to walk with him even when life is hard and when it's going well. Pray on all occasions. I think a real helpful way to start to develop this lifestyle of prayer is, is, is to start having prayer triggers in your life. There are things you probably do every day. Whether you go and brush your teeth, hopefully you do that every day, but whether you go out to the car and turn on the ignition, whether you uh, uh, go to the coffee maker and make coffee this, each morning. Uh, uh, start developing triggers in your life that when you do that activity, you will be reminded to pray. So, say, uh, brushing your teeth. Say, say there, there's something, some connection to a person in your life that you're going to pray for when you brush your teeth. Start developing triggers in your life because Paul encourages us on all occasions to be people of prayer. And, and, and that starts with developing patterns, uh, uh, triggers in our lives that can lead us to pray. So the first uh, point that Paul makes about prayer is that it's not a life hack, it's a lifestyle. And the second uh, point that he makes about prayer is that prayer is not periodic, it's persistent. This is what he says in the second half of verse 18. He says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, this word here, that always keep on, is, is one word in the original language. And it's a word that's pretty unique. It's not used elsewhere uh, in the New Testament. And, and 
but it is used in some like secular Greek writing, and it, it has the idea of someone who is stubbornly persistent. Someone who, who's kind of obstinate in their persistence. I think of uh, a, a child who, who gets their mind set on something. Say, we're, we're going to go to the park later this afternoon, and their, and their mind is stuck on it, and, and the schedule gets rearranged a little bit, and there's a persistence. Oh, we're going to go to the park today, right? We're going to go to the park. And Paul describes prayer like that. It's persistent. It's not periodic that, you know, uh, when, when it comes to mind, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll pray for you. It's a persistence where it can't leave our mind. Because dependence upon God is not at our convenience. It's a dependence that we develop in our lives. And if we are to take, take seriously Paul's command here to stand firm in the reality, in the strength of the Lord, that requires a lifestyle of prayer that is persistent. I've titled our message this morning, An Audacious Life of Prayer. Audacious might not be a word we use in everyday life, but it's the idea, it can be used both positively and negatively. But it's the idea of persistence. It's the idea of, of courageous uh, boldness. An audacious statement is sort of someone that kind of goes beyond what would be expected in the social norm. They make an audacious request, a bold, a courageous request. And as I read Paul's call to prayer here, and even his request for himself that we're going to look at in a moment. I read this this week and I said, that's audacious. It's bold. It's stubborn. It's persistent. And these are the qualities that I hope that a lifestyle of dependence upon God can look like in our lives. Developing a lifestyle of persistent prayer. So not only is prayer a lifestyle, it's persistent, but prayer is not about me, it's about us. You see, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to being a prayer warrior, to going to battle with prayer, there are no one-man stands. There are no heroic warriors of prayer. And sometimes, sometimes we, we kind of feel like we need to be that. But prayer is a, not only a reminder that we depend upon God, but also that we depend on each other. That we are an army in battle together. And this is what he says in verse 18. He says, uh, 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 praying on all occasions with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. He's talking about the Lord's people, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying, we are in this together. So it calls us to pray for one another. That the persistence of our prayer life would not be just focused on us, it would be focused on each other. And so prayer, it, it turns our focus from, from not only depending on our strength, but depending on the Lord's strength, but also 
to depending on each other. That I need you. I need you to pray for me in this battle that we're in. I was, I was sitting uh, last night working on finishing up this message, and uh, I, I, was, I was working on this point that, that Paul makes, that, that we are to pr- be in this together, that there's no uh, one-man warriors. And I said, you know what? I'm pretty exhausted. It's been a long week, uh, uh, walking with friends through some hard times, and I was feeling emotionally exhausted, and I'm getting ready to preach, and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not alone in this, and so I emailed a couple of people. I said, hey, can you pray for me? I'm going into preaching tomorrow, feeling a little exhausted. I said, I'm talking about prayer, and I said, so I need it. I need it. I'm not in this alone. And I think, I think we need to develop a lifestyle that, that, that turns us to depend on each other. The prayer requests aren't just a, an opportunity to uh, get the latest news out there, but it's an opportunity to go to battle together. So prayer is a lifestyle that's persistent and it's corporate. It's together. Not only that, but prayer isn't about self-preservation. It's about gospel proclamation. And this is, as I read these words, as Paul requests prayer from the Ephesian church, I was struck by the audacity with which he prayed. He says in verse 19, Pray for me also, that whenever I open my mouth, Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We've revisited this reality throughout the book of Ephesians. But Paul is writing this letter in Roman custody. He's been arrested and uh, put on trial uh, as a Roman citizen. He has the right to, to appear before uh, a, a trial. And uh, he, he's been arrested for the sake of the gospel, for his proclamation uh, in the church. Uh, as we read in the book of Acts, in Paul's missionary journeys, the church is exploding in the first century. Thousands of people are turning from uh, whatever they were worshiping and turning to the one true Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul is unpacking this gospel and he's arrested for it. And here he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus from his prison cell. And we, we, we described he's probably looking at a Roman guard standing over him as he describes the armor of God, using this as an object lesson for us. And here he is in chains. And what does he pray for? That he'll be delivered? That he'll, the trial will go well? That life will get more comfortable? That the chains would be removed? He prays that when he opens his mouth, he would proclaim the gospel. And this is, this is what prayer does. It makes the priority of our lives 
the gospel proclamation, the mission of God over my comfort, over my self-preservation. Is it wrong to pray for the chains to be removed? For hard times to go away? No, it's not wrong. In fact, in Acts chapter 12, we're given the account of Peter is in prison. And Acts chapter 12 verse 5 is a, is, a, is a verse that has impacted my life tremendously. It says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. And that was a, that was a, that was a passage that early on in my Christian journey really called me to be a prayer warrior, to pray for circumstances to change. But Paul's prayer here in, in Ephesians chapter 6 really makes me realize that prayer changes the priorities. That the priority is not that the chains would go away, but that the gospel would be preached. And so some of us have hard things in our lives that we walk through that we pray for to go away. But prayer brings us to the place, when we develop a lifestyle that, like Paul is describing here, it brings us to the place where gospel proclamation is more important to us than self-preservation. That if the gospel, if the good news of Jesus Christ that Paul has spent the last six chapters unpacking for us, if that can be proclaimed through the hard things, through the chains, through the disease, through the, through the painful realities of life, if the gospel can be advanced, Lord, that's my priority. Sign me up. I'll go to battle with that. Paul prays, pray for me. And can you imagine as the Ephesians church received this letter? I mean, the Apostle Paul has just unpacked one of the most glorious explanations of the gospel. And he says, I need your prayer. I need you to pray for me. I need you to go to battle for me. Because the gospel, the gospel's at stake. The good news of Jesus Christ, this is at stake. And so prayer brings us to the place where this becomes the priority. It becomes what life is about. And so it's not about the chains. It's not about my comfort. It's about Christ. And so prayer is evangelistic. Prayer leads us to the place where we want the gospel to impact our friends, our family, our neighbors. And when that becomes the priority in our prayer lives, it's about gospel proclamation, not about self-preservation. And when that, when, that's, when that becomes the kind of prayers that we pray, I think we've come to the place where the immeasurably more reality of the God's love for us has really sunk in and started to, to take root in our lives. So prayer is not a life hack, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that's persistent, it's corporate, and it's evangelistic. Paul ends his letter uh, with some final greetings. He says, Tychicus, our dear brother, probably a messenger who delivered this, 
this letter to the church in Ephesus, he says, he's going to come to you, and this is what he says, he'll tell you everything. So you may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Here's the reality of, of prayer is that when we start to go to battle together, when we start to be prayer warriors together, we have the opportunity to tell our stories to each other. Hey, this is how I saw God work. This is how I saw the gospel advance through that circumstance that we've been praying for. See, Paul realizes that, that the end of the story isn't just uh, getting on our knees and bringing our requests to God. But an expectation that we have a story to tell. So he sends his messenger and he says, Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. I love that picture of undying love. He says, grace to you. Paul has unpacked for us the beautiful riches of the immeasurable gospel of Jesus Christ. And he calls us to go to battle together, to depend upon the Lord. And it means a lifestyle that's a lifestyle prayer that's persistent, that's corporate, that's evangelistic. A lifestyle that depends upon God. I remember hearing the story of an interview between uh, the leader of the Southern Baptist Convention and some leaders of uh, the house church movement in China. And... As they were corresponding about how the church can pray for them in China and in, in, in the midst of persecution and in the midst of trials, the leader of the evangelistic movement in China said, stop praying for persecution in China to end. For it's through persecution that the church has grown. And then what he said next... Uh, was striking. It was audacious. He said, in fact, we are praying that the American church might taste the same persecution so revival would come to the American church like we have seen in China. I'm grateful for the freedoms we have here in this country. But there's something audacious, something challenging about the words here. That when the gospel proclamation, when the good news that Paul has unpacked here in, in Ephesians, that we are saved by grace, through faith, and this not of ourselves, when that becomes the priority in our lives, it changes the way we pray. It's not about my comfort. It's about Christ. It's not about self-preservation. It's about gospel proclamation. You see, an audacious prayer life is a prayer life that's a lifestyle that's persistent, 
that's corporate, that's evangelistic, that's dependence upon God. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Praying on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. May this be true of us. May we be a church that prays persistently, that prays corporately, that prays evangelistically. And may God have all the glory in our lives that we may love him with an undying love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you invite us as your children to be bold with our request, to have shameless audacity in our prayer lives. Lord, I pray that in this room we would have prayer warriors who go to battle bringing our requests of dependence upon you Lord, I pray that gospel proclamation would be our priority. I pray that, that our prayers for one another would be real and fervent and persistent. Lord, I pray that your gospel would advance when we open our mouths, that words would be given to us. Lord, develop this kind of lifestyle in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.